0: Now, welcome to another inspiring edition of Sound Insight with Dr. Tom Curran.
1: Good morning. Welcome to the program. This is Dr. Tom Curran. Today I'm going to check in on Lent in the first two sections of the program. I'm going to focus in on checking in on how Lent is going. Carrie's going to be with me in in the course of the program. And then in the last two segments of the program, I'll be joined by Rebecca Anderson. She is going to be talking about the 40 Days for Life Ministry Initiative Apostolate that is an outreach where you pray and fast and vigil in front of abortion clinics for the sake of everyone that is involved. That's coming up today on the program as well. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, Welcome back. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. I thank you and praise you for the gift of this Lenten season. Lord, will you draw us out into the desert, the desert that has our name on it. It's that personal. Father, help us to realize how personal this Lent is. Help us to realize the journey that you have intended for us, and that you invite us to say yes to But give us the grace today to not stay on the sidelines, but to get in the game as you call us. We make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I don't know if you noticed this. Yesterday on the program I was talking about, I was updating you on the things that happened over the weekend and how I felt prompted to invite my guardian angel this Lent to humble me each day. If you remember that, one of the things that, might have jumped out at you. And it's it's a point of reflection that I think is crucial for us to remember. And that is that part of God's plan for our lives, part of of how God has created us is that he's given us some space. He's given us space in which we can make choices. Uh, That his will isn't so defined, it isn't so Particular down to the details that, uh, if I choose to uh, get this ice cream rather than I that ice cream, I'm breaking God's will, right? Uh, that you can get so, it, it, God, it, God is not at that level of detail, in terms of the the plan and purpose that He has for our lives, yours and mine. Now, one way that theologians have reflected on this is that. The there are some calls that become more particular, more detailed, more distinct based on the mission or the call that is theirs. Like the Blessed Mother had the greatest of all calls as a human being. And so the specificity of her call was greater than that which would come to us in in our lives. So in our lives, so let's just make it very practical. Let's make it very grounded into right now. When it comes to our Lent, There's some space that God gives you to say, look, here's the Lent I'm offering to you. You don't have to do it. You have the freedom. You have the freedom to enter into this Lent with as much, here's the word, generosity as you would. You're not forced to be generous like that. You can enter into it in a lesser degree. And you won't be sinning. But you might be missing out. No, not you might. You will be missing out on the more that God has for you. Okay. Just sit with that idea for a minute. That there are lives that we are living right now. And the lives that we're living right now, here's the question. Are we living the life that God has put in front of us with the maximum amount of generosity. Are we striving to give even more than we've received? Are we striving to, uh, to, to go beyond what would typically be asked of us? I, I really wonder about that. And, and it's a personal thing, right? This is a personal question. And it's something I'm putting in front of you because it it was really brought back to my mind on Sunday when I was at Mass and there was this prompting at Mass that was the, the Lord you know, prompting me like, Lord, I want to have a great Lent. I want to have a, a Lent that excels, a Lent that is amazing, a Lent that, that doesn't leave anything on the sidelines. Lord, I want to be all in. I want to be all in this Lent, right? And in, in the sense I got back was, well, then allow your guardian angel, give your guardian angel permission to humble you each day. And my knee-jerk reaction was, no, <laughs> anything but that, and, which is a, just what a terrible response, right? but very human, very fallen, because of the act of being humbled each day is associated with being exposed and being humiliated and and uh, you know being embarrassed and and talk about radical trust, radical trust that my guardian angel knows how to humble me in a way that is honoring to God and actually will bring me humility. And I I was talking with Carrie about this and I said to her I said Carrie why don't you do that too? And she she didn't go for it. And you know what? On the one hand, that might have been a call that was just for me. On the other hand, that might have been a call that was also available to her if she would choose it. It's funny. We were we went to Mass last night as a family, that the three girls and Carrie and me. And on the way to Mass, we were talking about some of the sacrifices involved in Lent. And somehow the theme came up. Well... You can sacrifice now as a means of purification, or it's just going to mean a longer purgatory. And how easy it is to put off to purgatory what we would have the opportunity to do today. Let's just say that's kind of a dangerous strategy. (laughs) I don't recommend the strategy of saying, well, as long as I can just, Kind of claw my way into purgatory. I I made it, and then it doesn't really matter how long I'm going to have to suffer because I made it, right? Going will eventually get to heaven. I don't recommend that. In fact, that that's often very uh, critiqued because then it's a way of saying, well, I'm not really striving to become a saint. I'm just striving to be uh, a non-mortal sinner, and that's a that's a great way to set yourself up for failure. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the way in which we often leave generosity on the sidelines. Generosity, radical availability. Lord, am I, am I radically available to be led into the, the greater graces, the, the greater mission, the greater fruitfulness that God has put in our hands? if we're willing to live that life and, and, and that life would involve a bit more sacrifice, a little bit less comfort, a little bit less ease, a little bit less uh, sacrifice and, and maybe more enjoyable things in our lives. And so I, that's what I was faced with when I was, they are praying at that mass on that uh, s- that sunday morning was will i am i willing to turn into that more and then somehow the guardian my guardian angel was going to be path to that more so uh so i said yes and i and, and immediately what what starts to show up is the daily battle. And as I say, the daily battle, Harry has joined me in the program. Hey, dear. (laughs) Harry, it's incredibly humbling. Uh, Here I am, my theme in Lent is the willingness of letting my guardian angel humble me. And it's incredibly humbling that entering into the Lenten journey in the desert it reveals such a battle. I, I have the hardest time fasting during Lent, as compared to outside of Lent. It's like I—I I think you were saying it too. It's like my eating habits have worsened <laughs> compared to right now. Uh, compared to, to since the you know we've been a week into Lent,
0: a whole week into Lent. I've weighed the most I've weighed in my life on my scale, which is interesting. And it's not like I feel like I'm eating a lot. I've just stopped or slowed way down on exercising. And and I've been eating a lot, <laughs> but it does it's it can be discouraging. Like, okay, I'm only a weekend and you're hoping for this great strength and vigor and self-discipline and you know, being able to rule your own body. And it's just been a struggle for me to feel victorious in a lot of different ways. And I know they say, just keep it really simple. Just try to do one thing and replace it with, you know, get rid of a a bad habit and replace it with a good or get rid of something that's taking you away from Christ and do something that draws you towards him. And it makes it sound like, oh, this is very doable. But then in the actual living it out moment to moment, it just feels like, God, where are you? And why does this feel so hard? And why even the negative self-talk of why am I failing? Why am I struggling? What's wrong with me? I'll never, this will never change. I will never get better at this. This is just who I am. This is my, you know, you just fall into, this is my temperament or this is part of my family system. And okay. I'm not trying to go all negative, but excuse me. There is a way in which, we need to shore up our mind and our thoughts to fight the enemy and fight our own self-talk about who we are in christ in this time being in the desert and how he wants to purify us so i think that
1: you know i talk about that dynamic of being a disciple there's the call there's the experience of powerlessness and then there's the empowerment and in a certain sense i'm seeing that pattern play itself out in lent we have this call journey with christ into the desert through prayer fasting and almsgiving in our attempts to follow that call to say yes is going to reveal our powerlessness and maybe that's a good sign it's like i i've been thinking about my day and saying yesterday my day when was i humbled because i was able to identify my humbling on monday sunday and monday but i was trying to figure out What was my humiliation? What was my, how did my guardian angel humble me on Tuesday? And I think that the act of humility, the humility that that, that, what my guardian angel did on Tuesday was reveal that apart from God's grace, I can't respond to the call to live this Lenten journey. That the humility that was, interrupting or coming into my life intervening in my life was the revelation of my powerlessness. Again, it's like, it's like a lesson we have to continually learn.
0: Now why is a guardian angel helping you and not the Holy spirit? I'm just trying to figure <laughs> I'm way back at the at the start line here. <laughs> yeah. So God, who is father, son,
1: and Holy spirit has not only created us, but created a guardian angel for us. Did you know that? Yes so that your guardian angel was created with you in mind, and your guardian angel has a mission, but there's a purpose for your guardian angel's very existence, which is to lead and provide and protect you to get you to salvation, so that you can rejoice with your guardian angel forever. And just like there's a sense of space to make a choice regarding how generously you will respond to God, there is a choice that you have regarding how intentionally, how completely you will allow your guardian angel to play a role in your life. Are you, are you skeptical? Are you questioning?
0: Uh, no, not skeptical. Just thinking um, it's easy to go through life and just not open up to whole areas of theological formation. And so whether it's, you know, open up to the guardian angel or doing this kind of prayer or doing this tri- type of, um, devotion or this type of fasting, I just feel like you can go through your whole life and miss many, many paths to holiness. And so I just find it very interesting that you chose or your garden angel. I don't know how you got this revelation <laughs> that it happened. And so then it makes me think, oh, that would be actually really cool because it's very, your garden angel is very intimately connected to you. Whereas these other devotions and prayers and whatnot are just kind of more general. Of course, God makes anything intimate and personal and very unique and he can do anything, but still, I think that's a uh, kind of endearing and just makes me think, oh, I would br- like to hear more of how this works out. You haven't
1: found, like I find the the ministry of guardian angels I think the principal place where I experience my guardian angels is there my guardian angel is through his
0: protection did you talk about the car oh did you talk about the crazy car you did (laughs) oh my goodness did you also talk about our car no there are two car stories
1: oh i didn't tell the other car story
0: i mean like really big car stories it's like okay this is the kind of thing where when you die and your lord that you're before the lord in judgment and he shows you all the incredible ways he pursued you and protected you these are the two out these are the two things that are definitely gonna be in that that footage hey
1: welcome back to the program so going 75 miles an hour down the highway carrie you describe it how, how Oh, that was. Or do you want to just move on to the other story?
0: I think what was so interesting about the the car going past us is his lights were off. It was small. It went so fast, and we had this sense that something was wrong because we saw all these every after we went past two or three overpasses, we saw police car blocking the exit. Not really sure what they were doing. Had we. Put two and two together we would have figured it out but we're just yeah.
1: inexperienced my
0: theory was that
1: there was someone trying to leave the city by getting onto the highway but not somebody that was on the highway trying to get off the highway yeah
0: that's actually true even though it was on the off-ramp right. where we they saw them the of the and so it made more sense which is also where the on-ramp is yeah i was just impressed that the police in portland or in oregon were actually trying to catch a bad guy i was like good for them their law enforcement works <laughs> even though it's probably the state patrol but I just was, I thought that was very uh, impressive how they were able to track down this car and able to catch him. Although I, I thought he ran out of gas. I just like, oh, he must've ran out of gas. I thought the engine failed. Well,
1: he was going so fast. But he just blew the engine
0: <laughs> We were calling our kids. We had a whole video of it because um, we came up to the whole wreckage, not wreckage, but the, all, we, the all the cops. we were all like nine cop cars. videoed The entire in. highway. It's like, all these guys needed to catch catch one bad guy how many yeah, bad one, guys not, not, well, the, what happened are there in the, the city when the car went past
1: the exit of uh, that on-ramp that, that cop car joined the chase yes and then the next cop car joined the chase and the next cop car joined the chase
0: and so that was i mean that could have been more of a garden angel story i think the garden angel story really is the one about my car yep. not having it's. It, it's called a not a stud but a, a, lug nut. a lug nut i think they called it something else so but anyhow did you? You can tell it because you're good at telling stories.
1: Yeah. So Carrie went to get her winter tires uh, put on the car, on her car, and on one of the the front right hand, the passenger side, front passenger side, one of the threads that the lug nut is on, um, and the, and the the nut is on, it's it stripped, and so it wasn't able to be put back on. So we brought it over to a Les Schwab Center to get it fixed, and they said that. Um, that uh oh no it's gonna be a pretty extensive thing and I'm like well I don't wanna do that. Can we just can we drive with what out without one of the lug nuts on it with just four out of the five or five out of the six or four out of the five. And they said yes.
0: Maybe I should tell a story.
1: Okay. There's my detailed factual way of putting it. <laughs> so that doesn't mean so that was that was in December. word about three months. Two months later, Harry says
0: to me, There's something shaking in the car. And so I said, Okay, well, I said, there's something not quite right with this car. I'm not really sure, but usually that means, oh, we'll get it fixed eventually. Like give us a few weeks, maybe a month. I don't know. But it just felt so off that I was going to Ash Wednesday Mass at the uh the high school, and Tom just happened to be going to an Ash Wednesday mass at noon at St. Mary's. So we were able to switch cars, which saved my life literally because had i driven my car on the freeway to chesterton i'm pretty sure that would have come off giving what the guy the auto mechanic told us later on and so anyhow we switched cars and i'm feeling pretty good like okay finally we'll get this car fixed because we were going to Oregon and we trying to figure out which car to take anyhow
1: so you want me to say what what they said yeah yeah you can just that there was only the 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 tire was being held on by only one lug nut, which was at the end of the thread,
0: and they couldn't even get the car off yeah, the jack. Like they, the or, car was
1: up on the uh, up on the lift, and he said, "Well, if I take it down off the lift, I can't even back the car out. That's how, that's how uh,
0: narrowly it's on." And so all you did was drove the car up to our house, which was a couple few miles, and then you drove it back down to Les with a yeah, few more miles. Interesting thing was, was so it ride. literally would have fallen off yeah. on the freeway.
1: Yeah,
0: had I. Just said, oh, forget it. You are over there. I'm over here. I'm late for mass. We'll just have to figure it out later. I'm sure it's fine if I just drive it in and, and go to church. And and then Annalise and I were headed. She had she was getting braces on. There's a few errands we were running around that day. And uh it, it literally would have fallen off somewhere. I don't know. I just thought that Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Guardian you, Lord. Angel. <laughs> thank, you, Angel. Thank, thank you,
1: Lord, for working through Guardian Angels, right? Uh, there's going to be all kinds of scenes like that in heaven where we become what becomes revealed to us, or places where God's mercy preserves us from bad things happening rather yes. than and, rescues us. And
0: I mean, I think I say this because when you listen to the near death experiences of people, they will share how the Lord generously, lovingly shows them just how much He loves and pursues them. And so it makes me really think about my own life and just all the ways we go about our day and not realize just God's protection and divine intervention. So in a
1: lot of ways that's what lent is about. Lent is about stripping away our let's call our indifferent kind of awareness where we're uh, apathetic awareness where we just are kind of wandering through the world enjoying life but not realizing the riches that the Lord has for us or The amazing things that the lord wants to do through us and that's something that you and i are discerning right now we've got this window of time in our life where we have only the three at home and i'm not coaching anymore we've got all these hours you're not
0: coaching basketball are we talking about basketball are we talking about any? (laughs) no
1: so well in fact after the program when this program ends today we have a meeting where we're talking with a catholic Uh. to try to discern, how are we supposed to be spending our time to, uh, this is how I'm I'm relating to it. I I want to enter into like this moment and just say, God, what is your mission and purpose for us in, in a, in a bigger way, right?
0: I want to enter in and then I don't, and then I do, and then I don't, and then I fight you and I fight me and I fight God. So there's this excitement to want to be on mission. And then there's this whole part of me that just, just a strong, like resistance to like, Lord, how much do I really have to do right now? And it's not like I have any better offers in life. Oh, there's Alaska. Dumb dog. (laughs) I thought we gave you up for lunch. It's not like I have all these other options. I only feel like there's one option in front of me and I just am dragging my feet. Like I don't want and it, it's a mystery to me because I'm not exactly sure through that what God is doing. And I guess there's a lot of people in your life you you know God's calling you to something and you know there's one path forward for the most part. And it's just how long are you gonna how long oh will you, God, I you? That's a <laughs> lot will you drag almost? your feet?
1: <laughs> well, isn't this like the the agony in the garden? Jesus invites Peter, James, and John, come with me. There's a special call. accompany jesus into the garden and then what does he say to them stay awake and pray and what do they do they fall asleep three times they fall asleep and he says the flesh is you know the, the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak and and here's the thing they would not know how weak their flesh is had they not been invited to enter the garden with jesus it's only when we actually say yes to the lord and follow him, or start to follow him, that what gets revealed is the enormity
0: of the flesh. Is anybody else having a bad Lent? <laughs> Can we hear an amen? No, is there anyone out there who's having an amazing first week of Lent? I feel like in our younger years, just like our kids, were talking to them, the ones that aren't Franciscan, and they all seem like really gung-ho excited doing pretty amazing things already but they're all around each other and they're all around faith-filled kids i i thought like if we were around tons we're of around faith each f- other well faith-filled <laughs> couples like yeah. a whole bunch of couples and you know you're all living together and talking about what god's doing and you're excited and like oh now i'm you know i have to go because i'm going to go meet with these people to pray with them or we're going to go serve on the street and it doesn't feel that way it's just hi honey do what you want for dinner i guess we'll play a Roshi. Well that's right. Not, I
1: think that's the gift of something like Exodus ninety or what do they call it? Yes, so, you Fina need to be in a group or cana lent or the other different uh you know, group
0: It's fiat ninety for the girls. Fiat ninety. Whatever. Cana for the wedding for the married. Well, back
1: before either of those existed, uh, I used to do, remember with the men's group, we'd get up and we'd pray for an hour, five in the morning. I would
0: have, should have, yes. Yeah, that was and awesome. That
1: was, that was, the point was, was that we had a place to go and we had a bunch of men willing to make a commitment to, to get up and, and pray every day for an hour.
0: Have you talked about Newberg, going to see your daughter in college?
1: Uh, No, I, well, I, I mentioned, I mentioned the houses of worship yesterday and The Mm. way that volleyball uh, and just there was an alternative for many folks as a, as an idol, as a place of worship rather than, um, you know, God or church.
0: I just love their town because it really is about the four square miles and it's so tight geographically. So as we're walking down the street, it's there's where Jim and Sarah live. There's where Tom and Becky live over. There's the guy's household and we go into the little juice shop and she knows four people that are there at the juice shop. And you go to the store and you run into people. It just is this tight knit space. And she, Mary Grace says, I don't even get in my car and drive anywhere. Everything is right here. And um, there's just something about those smaller spaces of towns where things are just all together and close that makes living in community and living in relationship easier because right now I feel like we're on a hill on a mountaintop whatever and there's like five families right around us but I haven't seen some of them in three weeks or four weeks even though we're all living like I could throw a rock and almost hit their house and so it still doesn't have and I don't know why that is there is this whole understanding of how people live together in space and how it makes it just easier to see each other. Of course, you see each other and you have kids in a school or in a homeschool co-op or um, in some kind of like sporting event or you belong to a club. Yes, you run into people or at church, but people really don't hang out there. Um, Anyhow. Well, I think there was that thing that was flying around Facebook from
1: good housekeeping or home economics about what the wife should be doing to prepare that. Oh
0: husband. yeah. Yeah. Tips to look after your husband.
1: Oh, so it's, it's really kind of silly. It's, it's sort of leave it to beaver. Yeah. And I think what you're talking about was that Newberg had a little bit of the, let's call it almost like a leave it to beaver sense of space and community, which was not just endearing, but
0: better. Well, it's, it's a wonderful life. Everybody knows who Potter is. Everyone knows who George Bailey is, the Baileys, there was, and there is that sense in these smaller towns. I even think there must be a movement to move back to small spaces, to smaller areas. It has to be something that's starting to come into people's minds, especially with the violence and the the crime and the, and the city's overpopulation and just that, everything going on in big cities. You do, so something inside of us, Tom, craves one to be known and then to be in relationship to and mm-hmm. to belong. And it's really hard to do that in our culture today with phones and social media and just you're in real life versus online. And so there's this false sense of connecting to people, your 5,000 friends. So Carrie,
1: when- uh, But you're not. When I was, I don't know if I was walking around the block with you in the, in the block that I grew up on uh, in Burlington, Massachusetts. Yes. And I just, you know here's the block where I lived my life And I was able to say, this is them, you know, this is the Lowe's, this is the McDonald's, this is the Moonies, this is the, and just write down. And I knew like literally every single family on the street, on this entire block, I could name the, the, who lived in these homes. Yes. Okay. Now we've lived here for four years. I know our neighbors to the right only because they complain relentlessly about our dog, but I don't know. Neighbors beyond them, there's we're kind a cul-de-sac, we like 10 homes on our street, and I don't know the names, I can't even name one other person.
0: Can we have a revolt against those 10 homes? We have to have a revolt, and, and we're not we, we've, anti-social. Talk- oh, we've talked about this before, it's all coming back to me. Yeah. Um, uh, that we've talked about just uh in our previous neighborhood as well. Just how do you build connection with your neighbors, but it's not just. The neighbors. There's so much more that happens in that small town. It's doing church together. It's doing, doing life th- together. Well, yeah, you're. It's, so here, it's just okay. We all live next to each other, but we're really not doing faith stuff together. We're not right. doing life stuff together. They're all older, and their grandparents. Our kids are still living here at the house, so it, it, it's not. It's just a little different. Well, and,
1: <laughs> and here's the thing: we and we experience it in a far more intimate way here than we did when we were back on the west side from the standpoint of just the raw numbers of people and the distances involved we we live in much closer proximity to the school where our kids have gone the church where our kids go the the teams that our kids are on practices
0: all that sort of stuff is way simplified way more simplified here
1: more simplified here than it was on the west side and yet it it we still feel some of the the challenges that so many families are facing today god bless you families out there trying to raise family full of faith when you are at such a physical distance from other families of faith where the idea of having neighborhoods and even just a broader community
0: well the interesting thing about our life is i don't think we're not i think the word is busy i think Today we fill our life with a lot of things and activities that you did not have happen around during when they did that article on how to take care of your husband. It was just a different pace. And the work the sheer work of what a wife and a mother would do then is virtually the same in what we are called to do as our vocation, but the actual day to day living out those hours is very different today. They didn't have a microwave in Costco back then. So you're spending a lot more time <laughs> or iron shirts or, or, or there's so many modern conveniences that give moms a lot more time. And then a lot of that time is put into kids activities. And now all of a sudden you're caught up into
1: right a sports team is replacing.
0: Well, it, it could be that, right? Or, I mean, that's our experience. And I guess there's other things And it shouldn't be. It's like you have to almost fight upstream to capture time together and just basic common relationships of just being together and leisure. And it doesn't happen easily.
1: Well, and you know who was a wonderful, like I don't know, corrector or a witness to something different were our two daughters that went on the world race when they were in Guatemala and Romania and Swaziland and And these other places that were so radically poor but what were they poor in they were poor in material prosperity but what did they have that so many of us lacked joy Uh, i remember mary grace saying when she just they they connected when they were leaving guatemala they connected through like miami or la on their way to uh, Mm -hmm. thailand and she said americans are so angry and that was her impression
0: intense trying to move to the next space just trying to get ahead and she's like we just left
1: a space that is radically poor has so little in the way of like opportunities to to go up into the left right At, at a material level but what they had was very rich at the level of family at the level of of um of things that endure things that really matter so Carrie, we only have another 20 seconds left in this section. So, folks, uh, when we come back, uh, Rebecca Anderson is going to be on. And we're going to talk about 40 Days for Life. Carrie, thanks for checking in with me about uh, sure. Lent. Pretty humbling, folks. Yes. To live the battle sure. uh, against the flesh. Next time, I hope it's better. Um, and so, but it's a sign. We have all We experience our powerlessness, And now let's go to fulfillment. Hey, this is Dr. Tom and the host of Sound Insight, but also a realtor serving wonderful folks like you in the state of Washington and in Idaho. I've had the privilege and pleasure of helping dozens of families in the last two and a half years discern and find a, a strategy, a path, and a plan to help their families find a whole new life in eastern Washington and northern Idaho. If I could be of service to you in that, I would love to. Please reach out drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Okay, back to Sound Insight.